Joining us on this Thursday, it is the 8th of February and the Feast of St. Josephine Bakita, an incredible saint uh, whose intercession we invoke against human trafficking. Let's pray for her intercession today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Make us wise, O Lord. You did not think equality with God something to be clung to. Release us from the desire for power and prestige, we pray. You emptied yourself taking on the nature of a slave. Free us from all disdain for works of service, we pray. You became obedient even unto death, death on the cross. Deliver us from the lure of self-sufficiency. O Christ, you washed the feet of your disciples, you who are both Lord and Master. Strip us of the garments of pride and free us to do for one another the tasks of love as you have done for us. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus Christ who live and reign with the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. St. Josephine Bikita and St. Jerome Emiliani, who's also on the calendar today, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad you're along here on a Thursday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We'll check in with Dina Dwyer Owens, who's always got some great insights in regard to workplace spirituality. Uh, she, of course, has got a lot of documents she's helped create to help people go through those processes. We're going to talk about check-in processes today with her. Sister Alicia Torres, here as we're one week, less than a week from Lent, is going to discuss using Lent as a time to refocus on our understanding of Jesus in the Eucharist. We'll discuss mercy with Father Robert Nixon, and then uh, how to maybe mentally and spiritually and emotionally prepare for Lent with Kevin Prendergast, a pastoral counselor. So, please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The Supreme Court will consider whether former President Donald Trump is eligible or ineligible for a second term in office today. Justices will hear arguments on the Colorado Supreme Court's ruling disqualifying Trump from appearing on the state ballot. The former president's legal team argues Trump's actions around the the Capitol attack on January 6th do not amount to insurrection. A decision is expected before the Super Tuesday primaries next month. Pope Francis made a phone call yesterday to the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. Pope Francis called Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa on Wednesday morning, thanking the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem for the closeness he has shown to the people since the beginning of the war between Hamas and Israel, and expressing his constant care for the Catholic parish in Gaza. Pope Francis has been in contact with the pastor of the parish, Father Gabriel Romanelli, and with the associate pastor, Father Yusuf Assad, almost daily to inquire about the situation there. The Holy Family Parish, served by priests of the Institute of the Incarnate Word, is the only Catholic parish in the Gaza Strip. As is the case throughout Gaza, the parish faces a shortage of food, water, and medicine, with the people of the community struggling with lack of heating and harsh winter temperatures. 
Nonetheless, the parish complex, which includes a school, has continued to welcome hundreds of people who have lost everything in the war. In his call on Wednesday morning, Pope Francis focused mainly on the situation in the parish. Later, at the weekly general audience, the Pope called on the faithful to not forget wars raging around the world, noting in particular not only those who are suffering from ongoing conflicts in the Holy Land, but also tormented Ukraine and the Rohingya people in Myanmar, as well as the many, many wars going on everywhere. Pregiamo per la pace. La guerra sempre è una sconfitta, sempre. Preghiamo per la pace. Ci vuole la pace. Let us pray for peace, the Pope said, adding once again, war is a defeat always. We pray for peace. We need peace. I'm Christopher Wells. Pope Francis reflected on sadness as he continued his catechesis series on vices and virtues during his general audience yesterday. The Holy Father distinguished between sadness that is appropriate and can be a grace for the Christian and sadness in the human heart when a desire or hope vanishes. He said, quote, however full life may be of contradictions, defeated desires, unrealized dreams and lost friendships, thanks to Jesus's resurrection, we can believe that all will be saved, end quote. A search and rescue operation is underway to find five missing Marines after the downed helicopter was found in California. A third Marine aircraft wing said the helicopter was discovered yesterday in Pine Valley, just more than 40 miles east of San Diego. The helicopter was being used in a training flight from Creech Air Force Base near Las Vegas when it was reported overdue. Federal, state, and local agencies are assisting in the search. The Senate border security and foreign aid package is not passing. More from Mark Mayfield. The bill failed to get the necessary 60 votes to move forward in the chamber Wednesday after Republicans made it clear they were strongly opposed to it. They claim it doesn't go far enough to curb the flow of illegal immigration. Now, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer will drop the border provisions and force a vote to approve the aid for Israel, Ukraine and Taiwan. It's unclear if Schumer has the votes to advance the foreign aid package. I'm Mark Mayfield. House Speaker Mike Johnson is calling the failed impeachment of Secretary of Department of Homeland Security a, quote, mess. He said the defeat of the Republican-led resolution to impeach the secretary is a setback, but promised to pass articles of impeachment on the next round. He said Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas must be held accountable for the crisis at the southern border. And former Alabama Head coach, that still sounds so weird. Former Alabama head coach Nick Saban has found his next gig. Yesterday it was announced Saban will serve as an analyst for College Game Day. In addition, he'll provide his analysis across ESPN's platforms to a variety of events such as the NFL Draft and SEC Media Days. The legendary head coach retired last month after winning seven national titles in 28 years, including six in his 17 seasons as the leader of the Crimson Tide. So I'm not able to watch college game day very much Mm -hmm. because usually around that time on a Saturday, I have like obligations of some kind. Sure, sure. Last time I watched it, I was actually in town for a thing in Cincinnati and I was at your house. Watching it with my dad, yeah. And uh, they had uh, Pat McAfee Mm -hmm. and Lee Corso Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. some podcaster. 
that I'd yeah, never heard podcaster, of. Yeah, the podcaster, he was a... He's like a comedian or celebrity something. guest, and he was terrible. Well, I mean, I'm not, I don't know if he's terrible or not. I couldn't understand anything that was going on. I don't think Lee Corso could either, and I'm not sure if Pat <laughs> McAfee had a plan. So maybe Nick Saban, if he goes to College Game Day, can organize things. Yeah, you know, maybe he can coach it up. Well, you know, seems that to be one of his superpowers is in, coaching people up. Indeed, I mean, I know I'm biased, but Urban Meyer did a lot for the Fox Morning. Okay. College football show, and I think Saban will do the same for college game day. Well, it's my University of Tennessee of a, volunteers produced Peyton Manning, and he's done anything he wants since he retired. It's so. true. It's true. And I'm I'm really hoping Saban does a lot more of those. Is it Geico commercials? Oh, he does Anna some. Mitchell. Uh, Anna Mitchell. It's Affleck, and oh, neither Affleck. one of those people have bought Affleck. time on the Sunrise Morning Show. So well, if you're a Catholic insurance agent. Who wants to counterbalance that? Please see our underwriting department, and we'll happily cut you a much better deal than ESPN has given Geico and Affleck. Well, abs. I set you up with a softball right there, Matt. I know. know. Today is Thursday, February the eighth. It is the feast of Saint Josephine Bakita. What an incredible, incredible story she has that we'll talk about a little bit more next hour. Right now. It's nine past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dina Dwyer Owens, former CEO and co-chair of Neighborly. She's an author and a speaker. You can download her Create Your Culture Workbook over at her site, dinadwyerowens.com. Good morning, Dina. Good morning, Annie. It's good to have you back. I want to start off our conversation with a story that you shared with me. Tell us about this time when a franchisee was having trouble with a franchise coach. Well, I got a call from one of our top franchisees, and she was really concerned that this franchise coach, each franchisee is assigned a, a unique franchise coach, and she said, you know, it takes forever for this person to call me back. Forever might be two days. <laughs> <laughs> she was used to getting a call back within the same day, usually within hours you know, of a call or an email. And she said, now, I don't want to get him in trouble because – when he does call me, he really coaches well. I mean, he gives me all the right stuff, but it's just not timely. And I got to thinking when she called, I thought, wow, it just doesn't seem like that that's the kind of coach that we hired here. He was fairly new. And then I got to think a little bit more because one of our values is to look to the system for correction and propose all possible solutions when something is not working. Instead of pointing the finger at people because of the old rule of thumb, when you point the finger at somebody else as a leader, how many come back to you? Mm-hmm. Three. So I got to thinking, what have I done? You know, what, what have we done as a leadership team here that's created this, this problem? It's got to be a systems issue. And, and we, we realized that we had put so many projects on this, this young coach that there was no way he could fulfill the project timeline and respond to the, the franchisees timely. Mm-hmm. So instead of bawling this guy out, we had to look to ourselves and say, we created the problem. So we went to him and we said, look, here's something we've just realized. So-and-so called. You know, she's frustrated at the, the untimeliness of your responses, but we know that's not your fault. It's our fault. We've given you too, too big of a workload, and it's not fair. You cannot possibly respond timely. So we're going to pull some projects off, move some of the project deadlines back. That way you can respond same day to the franchisees who need you. Mm. And you know what? I, I felt good. The team, leadership team felt good. And you better believe this young coach felt terrific. Nobody pointed the finger at him. Instead, we took full responsibility. Now, Dina, 
with that story in mind. What lesson do you take away from that that we can apply to our everyday lives? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm a grandmother now, and this will probably end up happening. But as a young mother, at the time I was a young mother like you are today, I remember the craziness in the mornings, mm-hmm. trying to get everybody's books together in their backpacks, and if they were bringing lunch, you know, oh, that, that needed to yeah. be prepared. It was always a scramble, and it drove me crazy, and I thought, okay, why don't I apply the same values <laughs> that we do at work to home? The system is bad. You know, we don't have a, a good method of everybody gather up your books, put them in the backpack, have them by the front door in the morning, so when we are heading out the door, usually a couple of minutes before we need to be, let's get everything together and go and that way everybody's not frustrated we're not yelling at one another and scrambling what a what a terrible way to start your day so that's one example that i can think of at home there are so many oh, another one comes to mind just two nights ago i'm gonna think on myself here i stayed up late watching it wasn't a series that brought any great value to my life but i watched <laughs> it until about 11 o'clock at night <laughs> And the next morning when, when the 6 o'clock alarm rang for me to get up and go to church at 7, I thought, ah, I'd like to just sleep another 10 minutes. And it was all my fault. Plus, I went to bed with stupid thoughts in my mind that weren't healthy, even though I pray before I actually go to sleep. It's just stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is another systems issue. I should have only good things going into my mind at night before I go to bed and not stay up until 11, which ended up being after 11, because that creates a problem the next morning for me to get to church on time. And I was two minutes late for church. There's no excuse. Mm. Dina, I want to make this even more spiritual than that, because I was just thinking about this. Um, And I'm going to go somewhat extreme here, but this is something that I've actually heard before. I've heard people who aren't really practicing the faith. They're, you know, they're away from the church in many ways, very much uh, compartmentalizing the faith. You know, I love Jesus, but I don't need to go to church kind of attitude. And they've said, I think there are demons attacking me. I need an exorcism. And my reaction to that is essentially, have you looked to the system for correction first? (laughs) Because I think your real problem is unconfessed sin. The church has a normal system to fix that. Do we ever think about it that way? Brilliant. The sacraments, not that we want to think of them as just systems, sure, but they do course. create a system for us to be free from that guilt and sin and spiritual attacks. I love it, Annie. You're absolutely right. And what else, Dina, do we have coming up, part of the quote-unquote system, uh, <sighs> that could help us, I don't know, detach from things like a television series that's putting bad thoughts in our minds before we go to bed? Well, Lent is a beautiful time. In fact, I'm I'm heading to another retreat. I'm, I'm loving these retreats. That was one of my big commitments this year, right, is a retreat yeah. a month. And so I'm heading to a, another silent, sacred retreat this weekend, wow. and we're going to be doing some writing. So this is going to be new. So we've got a facilitator who's going to teach us how to write um, our spiritual thoughts and, you know, talk to God through writing. So that's going to be a new experience for me. But that versus what else could I be doing this weekend? There's a lot of stuff. I could be doing this weekend, but what's going to help me become a better Catholic Christian going to this retreat? I'm going to be a better mother, a better wife, a better grandmother. Everything gets better. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, I mean, it's such a great way to look at this, Dina, to, to kind of break it all down into 
you know, I, I think sometimes it's we I mean, obviously, anything that the church provides us has this grand, amazing spiritual nature to it. But when we break it down and look at it from like our practical life standpoint, it's amazing how how simple these grand concepts can seem. Like I may not understand all of the graces that come to me in the sacraments, but if I look at it as like a system from the church to correct my bad habits, I mean, that's an easy way to kind of ease into into the the grand the grand opportunities that the church gives us. And I, I, I'm just seeing this all in my mind now when we think about looking to the system for correction, proposing all possible solutions when something is not working. And I'm walking through the sacraments thinking, oh, my gosh, the solutions, you're right, are, are right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of making the commitment to do that, to go to a daily Mass instead of just our Sunday obligation. How much better are things going to be for us? I love it, Dina. And we've got Dina Dwyer Owens.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dina, we'll be praying for a few, uh, fruitful retreat. Please pray for us as well. I do. I keep up the God work, Annie. Thank you so much, Dina. You do the same. All right, it's 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Are you looking for peace? Logging for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. Hosting Women Made New has helped me deepen my own faith, and I look forward to every weekend having those in-depth discussions with my guests. It's been such a blessing being a part of the EWTN family and carry on the mission that Mother Angelica started. Women Made New, Saturday noon Eastern on EWTN Radio. 19 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. The Supreme Court will hear arguments over the Colorado Supreme Court's ruling that disqualified former President Donald Trump from appearing on the state's primary ballot. Pope Francis made a phone call to the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem yesterday to thank him for his closeness to the people 
during the war in the Holy Land. And in his general audience catechesis on virtues and vices yesterday, the Holy Father reflected on the vice of extreme sadness. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let me adjust my camera, Anna Mitchell. I've got, I got some show and tell for our, our, our viewers. You got show and tell? Yes, I do. Oh, okay. do you have Zakita socks? He's taking Since off his socks, today, ladies and gentlemen. I actually have St. Josephine Bakita socks that I'm wearing. Oh, my gosh. See uh, yeah. Those are it's nice. Cool. Yeah, they're awesome. Okay, and tell I, me what's on there. I see, like, uh, it looks like birds. Are there's there all birds? kinds of stuff. Across the bottom of the foot, it says, The whole of my life has been God's gift. It's a quote from St. Josephine. That's beautiful. But there's crosses. There's, like, the symbol of the Kenosian order. You can see Africa. Neat. On the background, and there's like a little star where she's from. Yeah. It's pretty cool. She's patron saint of Sudan. Pray for yeah, them. She's today. patron saint of all kinds of things. St. Josephine, pray for us. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what is sanctifying grace? Sanctifying grace is that grace which makes us holy and pleasing to God. When God looks upon us, he recognizes that, well, we are sinners, that we are needing of him, we are without him, and so he gives us this special grace called sanctifying grace. It makes us holy so that we can be like God. In the beginning, we were made in the image and the likeness of God, and sanctifying grace not only restores that image within us, it actually now restores the Christ within us as well. It makes us pleasing to God, and so just as he looked upon his son saying, here he is in whom I am well pleased, so now he can look upon his daughters and his sons and say, here are my children in whom I am well pleased. Sanctifying grace, it purifies us and makes us one with God so that we may enjoy his presence forever. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. With us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Sister Alicia Torres. She's a sister of the Franciscans of the Eucharist of Chicago and an executive team member of the National Eucharistic Revival. Sister, welcome back to the show. Good morning, Annie. Good to be with you. It is good to have you. And we are closing in on Lent. Um, we're in this time of preparation for the season of Lent. Can you, first of all, just tell us about some of the resources that the Eucharistic Revival team has put together for Lent? Absolutely, yes. So we have a series coming out this Lent on the spiritual works of mercy. 
encouraging people to live those works of mercy and make the connection between those acts of charity and our relationship with Christ in the Eucharist. How the Eucharist is connected to all those things that we do. And we also have new Eucharistic prayer companions coming out for this Lent as well. Oh, nice. Okay, so we have these three pillars of Lent, of course, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Uh, Do those have anything to do with the Eucharist, do you think, Sister? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, the Eucharist, the Mass, is the highest form of prayer. Fasting, the purpose of fasting isn't to lose weight. Some people (laughs) might have that wrong, but rather to allow a space to open up in our hearts for deeper encounter and communion with God and through God with others. And almsgiving, Jesus gave the complete alms of himself in that final sacrifice in the Paschal Mystery, and we unite with him in making that same gift of ourselves to one another. Wow. That was really impressive, sister. You (laughs) must have been thinking about this for a while. You know, (laughs) it's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I love it. I love it. You know, I think oftentimes we can compartmentalize Lent, you know, like we can confine Mm. Lent to like my sweet tooth, for instance. Mm. What do you think about how we can make Lent an integral part of our life to to really live Lent so that it goes beyond like just giving up chocolate or something like that? Yeah, I'm so great. You know, and I mean, the bottom line of Lent is what repent and believe, right? That's those are the first words out of Jesus' mouth, I believe, in Mark's gospel that in order to fully embrace the reality of Jesus Christ, we have to turn away from things that drag us away from the Lord. And that's a lifelong journey. And so the church and her wisdom and her care for us gives us this wonderful season every year to help us keep this annual reminder that our lives are not our own and that we struggle with sin, we struggle with brokenness and woundedness, and Lent is always there for us to revisit the reality of lifelong ongoing conversion, and hopefully it affects the rest of our year. Um, for me as a Franciscan, you know, St. Francis of Assisi founded this order over 800 years ago, and at the heart of the charism for Franciscans is this lifelong conversion. You know, that we're not where the Lord has created us to be yet. We're not fully alive yet, but we're on a journey, and it's good to be on the journey. It is. Um how does your community do Lent? Are you um, are you given a penance, sister, by uh, by your superiors? Good question. And so we have a communal um, custom of having more simple meals on Wednesdays and Fridays. So we have soup and bread for lunch and dinner on Wednesdays and Fridays, and we pray the Stations of the Cross, like many Catholics do, on Fridays. And some people may not know that actually it was the Franciscan Order also that started that devotion of the Stations mm. of the Cross. So St. Francis really wanted the Bible to come alive for people who at the time were not as literate as we are today, and the Franciscans have carried on these traditions. So it wasn't St. Francis, but later Franciscans that started that mm-hmm. tradition of the Stations of the Cross. Um, and then each one of us, you know, seeks to find a penance that will help us grow closer to the Lord and not be a penance on each other. So, for example, if me not drinking coffee is going to make me cranky, I probably shouldn't give that up because then that's mm-hmm. going to be a penance on the rest of the community. Yep. Yep, absolutely. That's what I tell folks. Every they're like, Anna, you could never go. I could never give up coffee because it would be more of a penance on my poor children than it would be <laughs> on me. I think. Um, but I'm wondering, you, 
I'm glad you brought up the Stations of the Cross, especially when we're we're looking at, at Lent and we're looking ahead to the Eucharistic Congress coming up um, mm-hmm. in, in the summer. And I love, I didn't know that it was uh, from the Franciscan tradition that we received the Stations of the Cross, but it seems so fitting knowing that, mm-hmm. that St. Francis himself, of course, brought us the nativity scene. That um, that seeing these events in in art, so to speak, um, can really help us enter more deeply into it. And I'm wondering, I mean, just because, you know, you're a Franciscan of the Eucharist, mm-hmm. how you view the Stations of the Cross, how you view Lent through a Eucharistic lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, so the Mass, at every Mass, we relive the Paschal Mystery, Jesus' Passion, Death, Resurrection, and Ascension. And the more real each of those moments are for us, the more we can unite ourselves in prayer and interior, in an interior way. When we go to Mass and then when we spend that time with our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And so for those moments of the Passion to come alive through these visual images, each of these stations, and they're very personal. Jesus is having encounters with other people the whole time, even when he's falling. He's having encounters with the soldiers and those who are kind of beating him along the way, right? And that brings to life for us how much he loves us, that he was willing to literally die on the cross for us, but he suffered dreadfully every step of the way. And in a mysterious way, we enter into not only his suffering, but his glory at every Mass. And so for us who are incarnate, those images are so important to help us to to touch the reality of the person of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've been talking to Sister Alicia Torres. And Sister, if listeners want to check out those resources that you'll have available for Lent, how can they find them? Absolutely. If you go to EucharistRevival.org slash newsletter, you can subscribe and they'll come right to your inbox. Fantastic. We've got that linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Sister Alicia Torres, always love talking to you. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks, Andy. God bless. You too, sister. Thank you. All right. It is half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The Supreme Court will hear arguments over the Colorado Supreme Court's ruling disqualifying Donald Trump from appearing on the state's ballot. Those justices, all appointed by Democratic Colorado governors, agreed the former president took part in an insurrection during the 2021 Capitol riot. The former president's legal team argues Trump's actions around the attack did not amount to insurrection. A decision is expected before the Super Tuesday primaries next month. A leader of an Iranian-backed militia group that carried out attacks on American soldiers in the Middle East is dead. Mark Mayfield reports. A commander of Kateyeb Hezbollah was killed in a U.S. drone strike in Baghdad Wednesday. The strike was part of the U.S. response to an attack on American forces in Jordan that killed three service members and injured dozens more. U.S. officials say the commander was directly involved in planning and participating in attacks on U.S. forces. This comes as Iranian-backed groups have increased attacks on U.S. and coalition forces in Iraq and Syria since the start of the Israel-Hamas war in October. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis has called the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa, thanking him for his closeness to the people as the war in the Holy Land rages on. Vatican News reports the Holy Father also wanted to express his concern for the hundreds of Christians who continue to shelter at Holy Family Parish in Gaza. 
The Holy Father repeated that war is always a defeat, saying, let us pray for peace. We need peace. Meanwhile, in a new interview, Pope Francis says there's hypocrisy in the criticism of the Vatican document on blessings for people involved in same-sex relationships. The Catholic News Agency reports in an interview with an Italian Catholic magazine, the Pope said no one gets scandalized if he were to bless a businessman who exploits people, which is a grave sin, but people are scandalized by blessing a homosexual. The Pope added that, quote, no one should be denied a blessing. He said, always in confessions, when these situations arrive, homosexual people, remarried people, I always pray and bless. The blessing is not to be denied to anyone. He said, the point of a blessing is to, quote, concretely show the closeness of the Lord and of the church to all those who, finding themselves in different situations, ask help to carry on, sometimes to begin a journey of faith. He said, we are to take them by the hand and help them go down that road, not condemn them from the beginning, saying, this is the pastoral work of the church. This is very important work for confessors. The Holy Father reflected on sadness during his general audience. Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. The Pope focused this week on the sin of excessive sadness, recalling sorrow can manifest in one of two ways. St. Paul, he recalled, wrote to the Corinthians, Godly grief produces a repentance that leads us to salvation, but worldly grief produces death. The dynamic of sadness, the Pope explained, is linked to the experience of loss, which he recognized is often accompanied by discouragement, depression, and anguish. La experiencia de la pérdida. We all go through ordeals that generate sorrow in us, the Pope acknowledged, pointing out that after our internal turmoil, some of us are unable to get beyond sadness, whereas others are able to be regenerated in hope. Pope Francis exhorted those who may be lulled into excessive sadness to be comforted through their faith and Jesus' closeness. While recognizing sadness is natural, he warned against when it degenerates into something devious and dangerous. However, the Holy Father reassured it can be combated easily, keeping in mind the thought of the resurrection of Christ. However full life may be of contradictions, defeated desires, unrealized dreams, and lost friendships, the Pope acknowledged, thanks to Jesus' resurrection, we can believe that all will be saved. Jesus rose again not only for himself, the Pope marveled, but also for us to redeem all the happiness that has remained unfulfilled in our lives. Faith, he said, casts out fear, and the resurrection of Christ, he rejoiced, removes sadness like the stone from the tomb. Pope Francis concluded by praying that the spirit of the risen Jesus help us defeat sorrow with holiness. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. It's 35 past the hour. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, leah at sacredheartradio.com. That's leah 
at sacredheartradio.com. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. We must set our hearts firmly in God and never withdraw them, because God alone is our peace, our consolation, and our glory. What can we expect if we do not unite ourselves to our dear Savior? We are indeed fortunate to be able to graft our hearts onto that of the Savior. He is united to the divinity, the sacred root of the tree of which we are the branches. Yes, dear Jesus, do with my heart according to your own pleasure. I do not want to have any further rights over it. I donate, consecrate, and sacrifice it forever to you. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Chris Armstrong. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on this feast of St. Josephine Bakita. Pray for us. Father Robert Nixon is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a Benedictine at New Norcia in Australia and translator of the Tan Resurrection series. We've been going through one of those by St. Albert the Great, The Paradise of the Soul. Father, welcome back. Thank you, Annie. It's great to be with you today. It is great to have you. And we are going to be looking at St. Albert's thoughts on the virtue of mercy today. And um, really interesting that the virtue of mercy doesn't start with forgiveness, but could you say giveness? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, yes. So he he um he looks at three aspects, and they're all related: giving and forgiving, mm-hmm. and then accepting forgiveness. So all of these qualities make a, a truly merciful person, and and the idea of mercy is closely related to compassion. So there has to be a willingness to give to help other people to extend this in love and, of course, forgiveness and accepting forgiveness because accepting forgiveness involves humility. It involves acknowledging that oneself was in the wrong and therefore is in need of forgiveness. So I, I think all three of these aspects are so important um, that the virtue of mercy is not just forgiving other people when they apologize to us, but it's showing kindness for those in distress and being ready to accept forgiveness ourselves when we're in need of it and to recognize when we're in need of it. Absolutely. St. Albert clearly um, in touch with the fathers of the church. This is something that I found so striking since a couple of lengths ago coming across some church father quotes 
where they talk about the pillars of Lent and they say prayer, fasting, and mercy, not prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, um, because mercy, forgiveness, is the ultimate form of almsgiving. Uh, it, it is indeed. So uh, when we when we sense that someone is troubled, in pain, that they've done something wrong, um, we should be motivated out of compassion for that person to extend to them forgiveness. So it uh, they're, they're definitely very much related virtues. And this this forgiving, this mercy is is not just when people apologize to us, mm-hmm. but it's it's this readiness to um, to overlook offenses, to extend charity um, to all of our brothers and sisters. Right. And and not even because they have done a particular wrong to me. It's actually more out of concern for their souls that you extend this forgiveness. Can you talk about that? Uh, Very much so. So this extends then to praying to God for, for his forgiveness to other people. And this is not only for people who have sinned against oneself, but for people in all kinds of situations who are in need of the mercy of God. And he gives a few examples of that. He talks about where Moses prayed to God for mercy for those who had attempted to stone him to death, saying, Lord, forgive them for this sin, or if you will not forgive them, delete me also from the book of the living. And then St. Stephen, the very first martyr, of course, he prayed to God for mercy for those who were stoning them. And and this is a direct uh, imitation of Christ, who prayed for those who were crucifying him. And it wasn't so much that what they'd done to him, but he actually genuinely wanted their salvation, their forgiveness, their redemption, which is why he prayed to the Father for their forgiveness. Yeah, and I mean, to look at a couple of examples of people who would come after St. Albert, somebody like St. Josephine Bakita, or I was thinking also of uh, St. Maria Goretti, who who was telling Alessandro, so. yeah. like, no, this is a sin. Alessandro, your 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 soul is in danger. I mean, that is extending true mercy, true forgiveness. Yes. So um, it's to feel this love, even for those who sin against us, which is you know can be very hard to do because we've got a, a whole bunch of emotions and reactions, which kind of incline us to do the opposite. But we see. The example in these number of very exceptional saints, uh, so St. Josephine Bakita, St. Uh, Maria Goretti, as you mentioned, even in the midst of these terrible things they were suffering, they still prayed for the redemption, for the forgiveness of those who had hurt them. And I think we should, we should also try to do that. Even if it might seem difficult or unnatural, offer up a prayer for a person who who has really hurt us or treated us unjustly in some way and and pray that God may show them his mercy may yeah. forgive them absolutely and and i mean this isn't something that saint albert gets into but the way that you just put that makes me harken back to something that i talk about a lot that when we I found in my own life when I pray for somebody when i actually pray for somebody i don't like or somebody that's done wrong to me it actually changes my heart too, which is such a huge part of this. It, 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 it does. So in a way, it's a kind of overcoming 
these bitter feelings we have in ourselves. Because the moment we pray for another person, the grace of God enters into the equation. And that is so powerful for um, for neutralizing the bitterness. And even if we think, you know, I can't pray for this person, well, just give it a try. And, and it actually um, does often work because you start to see things then through the perspective of the grace of God and, and our own mercy, which we have to work on, which is, you know, very frail mercy, is somehow united with this all-powerful mercy and love of God. Absolutely. Now, going back to what Saint Albert wrote here, can you can you discuss the the signs of true and false mercy? So he gives a sign of true mercy is when a person is prepared to give everything that is necessary to ensure that someone else. Uh, someone else's well-being is taken care of so that they really put an effort into it but he talks about then evidence of lack of mercy when we kind of ignore the needs of those around us and this is using the broad definition of mercy as including giving as well as forgiving Um, and finally a sign of false mercy is when we seem to forgive people um, who have wronged us but only because as a means of taking revenge or when we forgive them not out of genuine mercy but because out of fear of the judgment of God or when we forgive and we still carry a grudge in our hearts Mm -hmm. and of course this last one can be very difficult to overcome because these grudges they last we need to take them to God in prayer it's the only way we can overcome them that is such a challenging paragraph in this chapter on mercy with uh, St. Albert the Great. Uh, really encourage folks to pick up a copy of this book and dive into it. Father, would you conclude us with, with part of his prayer for mercy? Indeed, any. So um, he says, O oh Lord, why is it that we human beings are often so tenacious and avaricious in clinging to the things of this world, which are only ever passing and incomplete? Those who appreciate your own merciful generosity in giving to us everything which we possess will not hesitate to convey this merciful generosity to others. In your mercy, teach me not only to forgive, not only to give, but also to forgive, with my eyes fixed upon your infinite love and the sufferings you endured, For the salvation of the human race, help me to emulate your own unbounded mercy. When I suffer an injustice, let me be more grieved at the sin or fault that has harmed another person's soul than at any loss or offense which has stained. And may I not pray for retribution for myself, but rather that your mercy may flow forth freely for the reconciliation of all the world. Amen. Amen. We've been talking to Father Robert Nixon, and you can find The Paradise of the Soul linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you, Annie, and all your listeners today. You as well, Father. Thank you so much. All right. It is 13 till our Catholic counselor, Kevin Prendergast, joins us next. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, That sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month. 
And that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. It's always harder to get out of bed when it's cold outside. So... Give yourself something to look forward to, like Mystic Monk Coffee for the first cup of the day. You can find a link to Mystic Monk Coffee at our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, and we earn a commission on anything you buy through that link. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug, which you can buy through our online store. Check out the mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Bible in a Year with me, Father Mike Schmitz, is now available right here on Catholic Radio. Encounter God's voice and learn how to live life through the lens of Scripture with a new episode every day. I hope you'll join me as we discover how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. Bible in a Year and Catechism in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz, tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Janet Williams. Please join us for Women of Grace today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Wipe that sleep out of your eyes and now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Hold on a second, I just gotta wipe the sleep out of my eyes. Johnette has inspired me. Hope you guys are doing the same. Getting uh, stretched out, ready to go, ready to take on the day. Except for you guys who are coming home from work and gals. We all always want to give a shout out to those of you who worked all night and are catching the Sunrise Morning Show at the end of your shift. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, who's got decades of experience, uh, not just in private practice, but also in helping to form seminarians, lay pastoral ministers, and the like. Kevin, good morning. Hey, Matt, good morning, and I hope you and Annie and Paul and everybody at Sacred Heart have a great start to Lent next week. It is upon us, man, and uh, yep. we really do want to uh, have some ways to think about it before it actually hits. There's nothing worse than Ash Wednesday just sort of popping up and being like, ah, what am I going to give up? You know. So what are some things that we can maybe do in these last days before Ash Wednesday to kind of do a better job of entering into Lent this year? Yeah, it's always good. I find it encouraging when some of the things in my field in psychology line up and reinforce what we believe in our in our faith. So back in the 16th century, St. Ignatius, uh, when he was advising people to pray, would say, go to where your prayer spot is, your chair, or you're going to kneel down on a kneel or whatever, and then step aside uh, a couple of steps off to the side and prepare yourself and ask God for the grace that you need to receive during this time of prayer. That's, that's really wise psychologically, and that's what we've been talking about here, Matt. So I, th I think it's good to, to take a minute, even here before Lent, and not wait until Ash Wednesday to start thinking about this. And can we maybe ask God to give us some enthusiasm or some zeal 
for Lent to kind of be looking forward to Lent, like God wants to reveal something to us in those six weeks and help me to, you know, get, get whatever is blocking his grace, help me to deal with that. So a couple of things from psychology, a great thing when I'm working with people on who are trying to change their life or get out of some bad habit or depression, whatever, uh, a great one is just three little words. You know, what do I want to stop, start, or continue? You know, is there some kind of behavior that I, that I just want to get rid of? You know, how am I going to deal with that? Maybe I'm, I'm having trouble getting started on changing something, and maybe I need to be better at persevering and continuing. So stop, start, continue. That's actually very helpful just to take two minutes to think about that for Lent. The other one, uh, things always go wrong. Murphy's Law. Murphy always makes an appearance. So if we think about six weeks, it's just inevitable. I don't know anybody that's going to go through and have a perfect Lent. And so we know that there's going to be something that's going to get in the way. In psychology, we talk when we're having plans and we're trying to make, set goals. We talk about countervailing forces. There's energy out there. You call it entropy, original sin, whatever you want to call it, concupiscence. Uh, something's going to get in the way. And we can, because we know ourselves a little bit at this point as adults, is what what would be likely to get in the way? Like for me, when I look back over the last 20 years of Lent, uh, the one thing that always gets in the way in my in my work uh, springtime tends to be just enormously busy. Oh my uh, goodness! It's just, yes, just overwhelming, right? Even especially you know, if you got so kids, that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's right. Wild. So, yeah, it's so families with kids and sports and everything else going on. So just how to? So I know that about myself. Like busyness is going to get in the way, and that's going to derail my plans. Or I might start out just great, like uh, like I do with an exercise program, and then I peter out. I lose energy. I, I lose that sense of of passion. And, you know, at the beginning of Lent, I think some of us in psychology say, uh, you know, time is short. <laughs> We're not going to live forever. The house is on fire. That's a good, good metaphor. We use that with finances, but health, health uh, issues. So the house is on fire, right? I got to have that, that kind of passion, like, man, I need to make some changes. I need to get after this. And then, so I, I think the, the other one is in my, the one I would offer in my work, there are people, there are two different kinds of folks that I see. So there's people that have too much guilt and there's people that have not enough guilt. <laughs> so uh, that sounds we, about we have, right, actually. That sounds about right. And I, we have an expression that we use that, you know, sometimes we have to comfort the distressed and the, and then we have to distress the comfortable. Okay. So some people need a little bit more guilt and shame and urgency and other people are just carrying this load and they can't get rid of that. And most of our listeners are going to fall on one of those or the other. Uh, and I want to say, you know, here's the other thing, Matt, is there, there's a little prayer I want to share here that I find very helpful for everybody. And I've used it with agnostics and atheists even, and they find it helpful. So I'm sure our Catholic Christian uh, listeners might find this useful, is that some of us have things in Lent that we're, we're just trying to bear our crosses. We're taking care of a family member who has uh, an incurable disease or dementia, something really bad, and it's just consuming us and exhausting us, or we're having to put up with a very difficult marriage. We've got a spouse who uh, is drinking themselves to death, won't take care of themselves. And so just putting up with that or a child who's, you know, just gone off the deep end and getting in all kinds of trouble. And so sometimes we just need wisdom and just perseverance and fortitude 
to carry that cross. That's one part of it. The other side of it is I make my own problems. Like I create my own misery in a way. And so I have to look at those things that I'm doing that I'm responsible for. So the little prayer is just this. It's very simple. Uh, it comes from the 12-step tradition, but it fits with a lot of people. God, here I am and here are all my troubles. I've made a mess of my life and I don't know what to do about it. You take all my troubles and do what you will. Amen. So that's about the simplest kind of prayer. And I, I think it hits both parts that I've got all these troubles that are pressing me down, these heavy crosses and burdens. I have no idea how I'm going to get through this. And the other part is I've made a mess of my life. And I think each of us, if we really think about that prayer, we, we fit in both of those categories. Like I'm partly responsible for the misery in my life and the troubles, but then sometimes things happen out of the blue that I need God's grace to carry, even though they're not my fault. Yeah, even in just that prayer that you shared, uh, even though it has very little mention of, of, of God other than just saying, hey, God, it's a mess. Mm -hmm. I need your help. Uh, that's yep. that's basically how almost every salvation story begins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? that's so, right. Yeah, It's just realizing that we need God uh, we and need crying God. out to him. And, and yeah. then we take it from there. What kind of person are we becoming with God's help? So that's right. Kevin Prendergast, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Matt. Take care. Again, you find pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast and all of our guests linked at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. Another full hour coming up for many of you listening across EWTN. Stay with us if you can. It's three minutes till. Thursday, the 8th of February, the Feast of St. Josephine Bakita, whose cause is always connected uh, with the fight against human trafficking and slavery. So let's pray for her intercession in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. St. Josephine Bakita, you were sold into slavery as a child and endured untold hardship and suffering. Once liberated from your physical enslavement, you found true redemption in your encounter with Christ and his church. St. Josephine Bakita, assist all those who are trapped in a state of slavery. Intercede with God on their behalf so that they will be released from their chains of captivity. Those whom man enslaves, let God set free. Provide comfort to survivors of slavery and let them look to you as an example of hope and faith. Help, help all survivors find healing from their wounds. We ask for your prayers and intercessions for the invisible enslaved among us. Amen. St. Josephine Bakita, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us here on a Thursday. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running here on sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. Last hour, I showed off my uh, St. Josephine Bakita socks. Uh, so stay with us. Again, we got lots of great stuff coming up. Uh, we are going to, uh, first of all, be talking to Dr. John Bergsma uh, about the love story of Jerusalem, the tragic love story of Jerusalem, as it were. We've been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics. Rita Heikenfeld is going to get you ready for one more aspect of next week's lead up to Lent, which is Pancake Tuesday. 
maybe you didn't know this, but in the English Catholic tradition, uh, the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday is Pancake Tuesday, and we'll talk about that. Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo will discuss a question of Jesus. Uh, we've been going through lots of questions of Jesus. Today's question, who is my mother? So stay with us if you can. Lots of good stuff coming up this hour. Right now it is two minutes past. News is a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The U.S. Supreme Court will hear arguments over the Colorado Supreme Court's rule disqualifying former President Donald Trump from appearing on the state's ballot. The justices, all appointed by Democratic governors, agreed that the former president took part in an insurrection during the 2021 Capitol riot. The former president's legal team, though, argues that Trump's actions in the time around the attack do not amount to insurrection. A decision is expected before the Super Tuesday primaries next month. Pope Francis has made a phone call to the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. Pope Francis called Cardinal Pier Battista Pizzaballa on Wednesday morning, thanking the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem for the closeness he has shown to the people since the beginning of the war between Hamas and Israel, and expressing his constant care for the Catholic parish in Gaza. Pope Francis has been in contact with the pastor of the parish, Father Gabriele Romanelli, and with the associate pastor, Father Yusuf Assad, almost daily to inquire about the situation there. The Holy Family Parish, served by priests of the Institute of the Incarnate Word, is the only Catholic parish in the Gaza Strip. As is the case throughout Gaza, the parish faces a shortage of food, water, and medicine, with the people of the community struggling with lack of heating and harsh winter temperatures. Nonetheless, the parish complex, which includes a school, has continued to welcome hundreds of people who have lost everything in the war. In his call on Wednesday morning, Pope Francis focused mainly on the situation in the parish. Later, at the weekly general audience, the Pope called on the faithful to not forget wars raging around the world, noting in particular not only those who are suffering from ongoing conflicts in the Holy Land, but also tormented Ukraine and the Rohingya people in Myanmar, as well as the many, many wars going on everywhere. Pregiamo per la pace. La guerra sempre è una sconfitta, sempre. Preghiamo per la pace. Ci vuole la pace. Let us pray for peace, the Pope said, adding once again, war is a defeat always. We pray for peace. We need peace. I'm Christopher Wells. Pope Francis reflected on extreme sadness in his catechesis as he continued his series on vices and virtues during the general audience yesterday. The Holy Father distinguished between sadness that is appropriate and can be a grace for the Christian and sadness in the human heart when a desire or hope vanishes. He said, however full life may be of contradictions, defeated desires, unrealized dreams and lost friendships, Thanks to Jesus' resurrection, we can believe that all will be saved. In a new interview, Pope Francis says there's hypocrisy implicit in the criticism of the, the recent Vatican document on blessings for people involved in same-sex and other irregular relationships. The Catholic News Agency reports in an interview with an Italian Catholic magazine the Pope said no one gets scandalized if he were to bless a businessman who exploits people, which is a grave sin, but people are scandalized by blessing a homosexual person. The Pope added that 
no one should be denied a blessing. He said, always in confessions when these situations arrive, homosexual people, remarried people, I always pray and bless. The blessing is not to be denied to anyone. He said the point of a blessing is to, quote, concretely show the closeness of the Lord and of the church to all those who, finding themselves in dis different situations, ask help to carry on, sometimes to begin a journey of faith, end quote. Special counsel Robert Hur has finished his investigation into President Biden's handling of classified documents. Brian Shook reports. On Wednesday, Attorney General Merrick Garland informed lawmakers that the investigation is concluded. The news comes one day after a report confirmed no criminal charges will be filed against Biden. Garland said he's committed to making as much of the special counsel's report public as possible. The investigation began after classified docs from the Obama administration and Biden's time as a senator were found at the Penn Biden Center and Biden's home in Delaware. I'm Brian Shook. And a new satellite launched into orbit will study microscopic ocean life and particles in the atmosphere. The NASA PACE mission lifted off this morning on a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket from Cape Canaveral. PACE is an acronym for Plankton Aerosol Cloud and Ocean Ecosystem. And the mission has instruments on board that will capture a spectrum of data across different wavelengths of light which will allow scientists to see what they call the invisible universe in the sea and the sky. PACE is designed to be a three-year mission and joins dozens of other NASA science missions currently circling the Earth. Wait, so... Looking for plankton in the air. Okay, so they're not, they're not going past, like, the Earth. No, I don't think so. They're not sending, like, a mini terrarium to Mars or something. Oh, like that Matt Damon movie? I didn't know if they were like trying to terraform some think, kind of planet somewhere. I don't think so. Terraforming the moon. That, I think, is something they want to do. Because then it would be eventually. no moon, Anna Mitchell. It would be a space station. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Is that a joke? I, am I a joke to you, Anna Mitchell? <laughs> what this is I don't get it I don't get it There's there are people screaming at their radios right now Anna Mitchell I can tell you that I don't get it am I supposed to laugh at that because I don't know but you're supposed to at least understand what it's a reference to no I'm gonna let you go with Dr. Bergsmith so you can we can we is can that amend. like a David Bowie reference oh that I don't gosh. know I don't know what it is I really don't ground control to major missed reference Dr. Bergsma, do you know? What is he referring yeah, to? What is it? Tell uh, me. As, as culturally illiterate as I am, uh, that's from Star Wars. You know, when they see the uh, Death Star, that's no moon. It's a space station. Oh. Dr. Bergsma, <laughs> thank you. You're a gentleman need, and a scholar on many levels. You know, I need Roma Egan or Will Egan to enlighten me on these things. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> Well, I'm glad it wasn't a David Bowie reference because that would have been really embarrassing to me. Star Wars, you know, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> Dr. John Bergsma is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics from Ave Maria Press. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Anna. So we're continuing our study of the marital imagery found in the book of Revelation 
And um, so we we hear about the the new Jerusalem, right? The heavenly Jerusalem. And so to to kind of understand the heavenly Jerusalem, we need to understand the earthly Jerusalem, right? So let's get a review of, as you put it in the book, the tragic love story of the earthly city of Jerusalem. Yes. So there's this beautiful romance uh, theme that runs through the Old Testament of the Lord with the capital city, Jerusalem, the sacred city. Jerusalem is kind of like the embodiment of the whole country. And so in the Song of Songs, for example, the bride is kind of like the embodiment of Jerusalem. And in the prophets, you know, you have this image of virgin daughter Zion, and that's the holy city, the capital city, portrayed as a virgin princess waiting for her royal husband to come and wed her. So yeah, that, that beautiful imagery, but on the other hand, you got a counterpoint to that, which is the unfaithfulness of Jerusalem, which you find, for example, in Ezekiel 16, this long allegory where it describes the Lord coming upon the city of Jerusalem like an orphan uh, daughter, um, just um, pitiful and helpless, and he bestows all kinds of care and riches upon her, and she becomes this beautiful queen, most beautiful queen ever, but no sooner does she do that than she starts running after other lovers and giving all of her wealth and gifts that, that her husband, God, bestowed upon her to uh, these other um, uh, persons, other um, as I said, lovers, boyfriends, etc., and and then that comes to ruin. Not because the Lord, um, you know, acts against her, but her own lovers turn on her and destroy her. Wow, wow! So that gives us the situation that well that we all find ourselves in. I think it is a sinful human race. But then we get to. Revelation 21, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, And I heard a great voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away." I mean, it's such a beautiful passage, and, and we can get, you know, rather sentimental about it. I always find myself wanting to wipe away a tear <laughs> as I read it, Dr. Bergsma. But what does this passage tell us? Oh, many things on different levels, but I would say primarily what we're seeing is the Church as the New Jerusalem, um, you know, in the wake of the destruction of the earthly Jerusalem, where then is the city of God? It's, it's now the Church. Um, this is the, the image of the living stones that uh, St. Paul talks about, 
Um, and St. Paul in, in Hebrews uh, 12 talks about um, Christian believers now having come to the heavenly Zion. That is uh, the Church. And, mm. and that's the message of the Church being this uh, perfect cube. Uh, uh, later on, the, the yeah. Church will be measured um, by an angel, and we'll find that it's this cube of enormous dimensions, like 12,000 stadia, I believe. It's like a yeah. 1,500 miles on mm-hmm. each side. Uh, that's a heck of a wedding dress, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> cubicle dimensions I don't think any woman particularly wants. But um, but the point of uh, the bride being this this enormous cube is that the Holy of Holies was a perfect cube. And so the message there is that the entire New Jerusalem is a church, and the whole church is not just a temple, but one big Holy of Holies, because every stone of the temple, that is, you and I and, and everyone else, from the Pope to the most recently baptized baby, has the Holy Spirit, has given the gift of the Holy Spirit through baptism. And in the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit was only localized in the Holy of Holies, but now the Holy Spirit is localized in each one of us. That's kind of mind-blowing, and I don't think we fully appreciate that or, or process that. No, we don't, and I'm going to make people just sit with that uh, to close the conversation today, Dr. Bergsma. We've got Love Basics for Catholics linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Look forward to continuing the conversation next time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Talk to you next time. All right. It is coming up on 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. Human beings are God's greatest masterpiece. Every person is made in the image and likeness of God. But every saint, that is every person who accepts God's invitation, his upward call to make them holy. And so every story presents us with a unique masterpiece that God is writing. The Journey Home, Monday night, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. 17 Pass, here's Anna with headlines. 
The Supreme Court will hear arguments over the Colorado Supreme Court's ruling disqualifying Donald Trump from appearing on the state's ballot. Pope Francis made a phone call to the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem yesterday to thank him for his closeness to the people amid the Holy Land War. And the Holy Father, in his general audience catechesis yesterday, reflected on sadness, continuing his series on vices and virtues. So Anna Mitchell, it's a random Thursday in February, uh, but there's a weird sort of liturgical anomaly that I didn't, I don't know that I've noticed anything quite like this before. Okay, what's that? So we actually have three options for the gospel today. Really? So today is, well, it it's... Thursday of the fifth week in ordinary time. Mm-hmm. It's also the feast of St. Jerome Emiliani. Right. And the feast of St. Josephine Bakita. And right. there are optional memorials for both of them. And each of those three possibilities has their own gospel reading. So if you're just getting the Thursday in ordinary time, you'll hear Mark chapter just. seven. If you're just. Uh, and Jesus is uh, hearing the, healing the uh, Syrophoenician woman, mm-hmm. who says even the dogs eat the table eat the table scraps from the children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it's the feast of Josephine Bakita that's being uh, marked in your liturgy, you'll hear from Matthew twenty five about the wise and foolish virgins, which is a fascinating one to apply to, to Saint, Saint Josephine. Josephine. Wow, you know who of wow. course goes into religious life and shares her story and her her, her story of healing and mercy and forgiveness. Uh, But then if you uh, end up hearing the optional memorial of St. Jerome Emiliani, the gospel is the one where the rich young ruler comes and Jesus says, you know, or or no, it's it's not the rich young ruler. It's it's the one who says, what must I do to inherit uh, eternal life? And, And God says, you know. Those give all you have all to the that poor. You have. Yeah. And, and and come follow me. Story is a great example of that. And Jerome Emiliani was known for his charity to uh you know basically give up everything so that he could go and found especially orphanages. Mm-hmm. So, if you go to mass today, it'll be interesting to hear what they uh you know cuz the mass is what on. What they choose. Mass is on EWTN as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting to know what uh what they choose for the text this morning or wherever you happen to be i know a lot of you go to daily mass and catch pieces of the sunrise morning show on your way to and from that but now you know wow i don't know that i've heard of three gospels on a random weekday before potential gospels but potential gospel well there's really only one wherever you go they're only going to use the one yeah which one that's which the question one? saint josephine Bakita, saint jerome emiliani pray, pray for, for us, us. To get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes, when you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me. Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah 
at sacredheartradio.com. Hello, this is Father Mark Watkins, pastor of St. Lawrence, the St. Monica Sodality Prayer for Fallen Away Catholics. Eternal and merciful Father, I give you thanks for the gift of your divine Son who suffered, died, and rose for all mankind. You gave St. Monica a spirit of selfless love manifested in her constant prayer for the conversion of her son, Augustine. Inspired by boundless confidence in your power to move hearts, I pray the grace to imitate her constancy in my heart for those who no longer share in the intimate life of your Catholic family. Grant through my prayer that they may be open to the promptings of your Holy Spirit and return to loving union with your church. Grant that also my prayer be ever hopeful and that I may never judge another, for you alone can read hearts. I ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. It is time for Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld. And, I mean, there are a hundred different reasons to be Catholic. But one of them is that we just know how to do good feast days and uh, celebrate well and fast well. And we know how to do all kinds of things really well. And a lot of them involve around how we approach the dinner table. Rita Heikenfeld, good morning. Well, boy, you said a mouthful. That's so true. A mouthful indeed. Well, I bet you there's some people who... I didn't realize that with all the other stuff going on with Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, and people thinking a lot about gumbo and jambalaya and that sort of stuff, in the English Catholic tradition, pancakes were the big Tuesday before Lent celebration. Yeah, um, it was called Shrove Tuesday, and it, the tradition started in England. And what happened, uh, Matt, Christians went to confession and were quote-unquote shriven, and that means they were absolved from their sins. And then um, in the villages, a bell would be rung to call the people to confession. And then that bell came to be called the pancake bell. And some, in some places, it's still rung today um, that celebrates Shrove Tuesday in a very, very traditional manner. All right. So the questions here, I mean, we still use the word Shrove Tuesday in casual conversation. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't even know what the word Shrove means, but that's what it means. It means to be shriven, right? It means to be absolved of your sins because you went to confession to get ready for Lent, uh, this season of prayer and fasting and almsgiving. But the pancake part, I mean, if you're going to be fasting and cutting back a little bit and eating more simply, you got some stuff in your pantry you got to use up. Oh, yeah, because uh, Shrove Tuesday was basically the last opportunity that some folks had um, to use up eggs and fats before what you just said, embarking on the Lenten fast. And Think of pancakes. They're a perfect way of using these ingredients. All right. So there's another tradition that uh, I don't know if you know about, but uh, on the Monday in certain parts of England, they would uh, take up the the collops, what they called them, collop Monday, Shrove Mm -hmm. Monday, uh, which is like the end pieces of sort of like the smoked uh, meat, and finish those up as well. And if you look at the kind of terminology they're using – for the collops, it's essentially bacon. So you got bacon Monday and pancake Tuesday. I mean, Eng- <laughs> English Catholicism has got some good traditions in the food department. Oh, you know, that's so true. I didn't know that about uh, Monday and the bacon, but it certainly makes sense. And, and um, some of the reasons that we use some of these ingredients in pancakes, like eggs, those symbolize creation, 
flour, of course, is a staff of life. Salt in the pancake batter symbolizes wholesomeness, and then milk symbolizes purity. What I have today are three different uh, pancake recipes to share uh, with the photo, and I wanted you to choose which one you wanted to choose to talk about. All right, so... All these look amazing. I mean, the fluffy buttermilk ones at the end mm-hmm. look great. Very um, traditional. The blueberry ones, uh, I think a lot of people go uh, for the blueberry pancakes if they're going to throw one thing in. But I want to know about the whole wheat apple pancakes with nutmeg syrup. I had a feeling that's what you were going to choose. It's a little bit different. Um, basically, you're going to take a, a cup of whole wheat flour and a half a cup of wheat germ, and that's the center of the wheat kernel that actually sprouts. Really, a lot of plant protein and nutrition. And um, I usually, what I'll do is I'll take the whole wheat flour, the wheat germ, um, some baking powder and salt, and just whisk those in together. And then All the dry uh, stuff, right? Yes, of course. And then I'll take a couple eggs, one and a half cups of buttermilk, and one apple that you peel and you chop pretty rough, and that's going to provide the sweetness. So you combine the wet ingredients with the dry, and then you just cook them on a hot griddle um, like regular pancakes. But the thing that we top it with is it's a, a nutmeg syrup, and it's so, so simple. It's just basically sugar, flour, and salt that you put in a saucepan. Then you pour some boiling water over that, and you whisk it like crazy and, and cook it about five minutes. Then you add some butter and some nutmeg or even some apple pie spice. Um, that's it, and it's a sort of a, not a real clear, sort of an opaque syrup, but it's just delicious because there's no sugar in the pancake batter. As I said, apples provide that sweetness. So you've really got the best of both worlds, don't you think? Yeah, and I do like that idea of letting the fruit cover the, the sweetness uh, so that you can, you know, nothing's worse than having like super sugary chocolate chip, I mean, I like chocolate chip pancakes, but if I have those, I don't want to put a bunch of syrup on them too, right? You're just like overloading your, yourself with sugar if you've got chocolate chip pancakes and then like a gallon of syrup on top. So having that, uh, and even like a little bit of the salt in that um, in that nutmeg syrup really does help uh, kick up sort of like the savory sweet part of this, I would think. Yeah, and you know, people um, sometimes, especially with um, baked goods or sweet goods, they'll think, oh, I don't need that salt, but you're exactly oh, right. that salt kicks it up. Yes, it does, and it provides, it amplifies, amplifies the flavor and also contributes to even um, the way they rise and such. So, yeah, and, you know, these pancakes, you could certainly put any kind of fruit. If you wanted blueberries, what are your, do your kids like more like the blueberries, or would they go for the apple pancake, you we think? Default to, we default to blueberries usually, but I will try the apples, Um for sure. And we used to, I mean, when I was a kid, Rita, and you've got a buttermilk recipe, buttermilk pancake mm-hmm. recipe, uh, we even used to put applesauce on top of pancakes. Did um, you really? Yeah, so applesauce and sometimes even peanut butter on top of pancakes. Peanut butter, I can see. I've never heard of the applesauce. See, we all learn from each other, Give don't it a we? shot. I'm telling you, <laughs> I will. every week, uh, Rita, I mean, we should just like have massive brainstorming sessions and just come <laughs> up with like 15 di- different cookbooks a month. Uh, but uh, if people want to connect with you and find your recipe for whole wheat apple pancakes with nutmeg syrup, it's abouteating.com. Uh, you actually have a few different pancake recipes there, but I've posted mm-hmm. specifically the apple pancakes recipe on our site in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Rita, 
I'm looking very much forward to all the cool meatless recipe ideas you'll have for us during Lent starting next week. So have a good one. I will, and I've got some new ones. It'll be fun to share. Very cool. SunriseMorningShow.com. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The Supreme Court will be hearing arguments over the Colorado Supreme Court's ruling to disqualify Donald Trump from appearing on the state ballot. The justices, all appointed by Democratic governors, agreed that the former president took part in an insurrection in the time surrounding the 2021 riot on the U.S. Capitol. The former president's legal team argues Trump's actions around the attack did not amount to insurrection. A decision from the court is expected before the Super Tuesday primaries next month. A leader of an Iranian-backed militia group that carried out attacks on American soldiers in the Middle East is dead. Mark Mayfield reports. A commander of Kateyeb Hezbollah was killed in a U.S. drone strike in Baghdad Wednesday. The strike was part of the U.S. response to an attack on American forces in Jordan that killed three service members and injured dozens more. U.S. officials say the commander was directly involved in planning and participating in attacks on U.S. forces. This comes as Iranian-backed groups have increased attacks on U.S. and coalition forces in Iraq and Syria since the start of the Israel-Hamas war in October. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis has called the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa, thanking him for his closeness to the people as the war in the Holy Land rages on. Vatican News reports the Holy Father also wanted to express his concern for the hundreds of Christians who continue to shelter at Holy Family Parish in Gaza. The Holy Father repeated, war is always a defeat, saying, let us pray for peace. We need peace. In a new interview, Pope Francis has said there is hypocrisy in the criticism of the Vatican document on blessings for people involved in same-sex and other irregular relationships. The Catholic News Agency reports in an interview with with an Italian Catholic magazine, the Pope said no one gets scandalized if he blesses a businessman who exploits people, which is a grave sin, but people are scandalized by blessing a homosexual person. The Pope added that no one should be denied a blessing. He said the point of a blessing is to, quote, concretely show the closeness of the Lord and of the church to all those who, finding themselves in different situations, ask help to carry on, sometimes to begin a journey of faith. He said, quote, we are to take them by the hand and help them go down that road, not condemn them from the beginning. This is the pastoral work of the church, he said. It is very important work for confessors. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on the vice of intense sadness in his catechesis. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. The Pope focused this week on the sin of excessive sadness, recalling sorrow can manifest in one of two ways. St. Paul, he recalled, wrote to the Corinthians, Godly grief produces a repentance that leads us to salvation, but worldly grief produces death. The dynamic of sadness, the Pope explained, is linked to the experience of loss, which he recognized is often accompanied by discouragement, depression, and anguish. We all go through ordeals that generate sorrow in us, the Pope acknowledged, pointing out that after our internal turmoil, some of us are unable to get beyond sadness, whereas others are able to be regenerated in hope. Pope Francis exhorted those who may be lulled into excessive sadness to be comforted through their faith and Jesus' closeness. While recognizing sadness is natural, he warned against when it degenerates into something devious and dangerous. Dobbiamo stare attenti. 
However, the Holy Father reassured it can be combated easily, keeping in mind the thought of the resurrection of Christ. However full life may be of contradictions, defeated desires, unrealized dreams, and lost friendships, the Pope acknowledged, thanks to Jesus' resurrection, we can believe that all will be saved. Jesus rose again not only for himself, the Pope marveled, but also for us to redeem all the happiness that has remained unfulfilled in our lives. Faith, he said, casts out fear, and the resurrection of Christ, he rejoiced, removes sadness like the stone from the tomb. Pope Francis concluded by praying that the spirit of the risen Jesus help us defeat sorrow with holiness. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubav. The Senate will try again today to pass an aid package for Israel and Ukraine. This after Senate Republicans blocked a foreign aid package yesterday that was part of a border security bill. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. What does the church say about the teachings of the magisterium? The magisterium has the task of giving us authentic interpretation of the Word of God. The magisterium, then, is responsible for the church's fidelity to the teachings of Christ as handed down through the apostles. Comprised of the Pope, Cardinals, and Bishops, the Magisterium changes over time in its makeup, but never in its duty and function. That role always is to interpret, clarify, and instruct in matters of faith. But there is a tendency today among many to ignore or minimize some of the Church's teachings. Some people today regard these teachings especially those of early origin, as outdated. But it is not ours to direct our own understanding of the message of Christ. We require much direction and guidance if we are to clearly understand how we are to follow God's plan and will in a world so intending on wrongly influencing our logic. For more information, contact your local pastor or refer to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraphs 85 and 86. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Deacon Bill Mullaney. Cloudy with a few sprinkles possible tonight and an overnight low. On the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Leonard De Lorenzo with the Rath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame, host of the Church Life Today. It's 37 minutes past the hour you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm not exactly sure what's going on right now. 
My collecting. My weather report is happening. That's for our local listeners. Matt, are you there? What's the what? <laughs> we're going to be in the 60s today in Cincinnati. My weather report was playing, really? and we're not really sure what's going on with the uh, oh, technology here. So, yeah. So, anyway. I was just uh, checking to see if I had ingredients for pancakes. Yeah? Talking to Rita. You know, Rita's, uh, this is one of the great things about having Rita on the show every year. Having, like, somebody, like a Bible Foods person on, on retainer is that the food cycle switches up all the time. And Lent is one of those things where, like, you can get into a rut, mm-hmm. like, all tomato soup and mac and cheese, mm-hmm. which is good once during Lent, maybe. But mixing it up and having some, like, creative things that are still simple. Because mm-hmm. you want to do meatless, but you also don't want to do extravagant. Right. And meatless. So Right, anyway. right, right. Because, I mean, how penitential is red lobster it's not or a deep dish cheese pizza with well i mean a deep dish cheese pizza is not terrible because for me pizza with anything pizza with no toppings is always going to feel penitential you think see oh yeah i don't i mean i prefer toppings on pizza don't get me wrong but um I can tell I you this, everybody. I don't said it find before. cheese pizza penitential at all. I'll say it again. Anna Mitchell is the person who goes to your parish fish fry and orders cheese pizza. So, Thanks, Matt. Well, if we don't have Dr. De, uh, De Lorenzo now, I want to take this opportunity. Uh, I was hoping we'd be able to do it at the end of the show, but I think yeah. we should do it now. Yeah. And that is to really dig into the story of today's saint, St. Josephine Paquita. And you've mm-hmm. been talking about her actually – uh, all week because there have been lots of things going on to yeah. help promote efforts against human trafficking, mm-hmm. uh, really in honor of St. Josephine Bakita and her own story and experience. I mean, you look around at the awful things going on in human trafficking uh, in in this sort of dark underbelly of the world that's uh, so invisible to us. Josephine Bakita went through that stuff yeah. personally and came out on the other side as a witness to hope and mercy and forgiveness and became a nun. I mean, I don't know how you have a more crazy story than St. Josephine Bikita. It's unreal. So it it just if if listeners were um were tuned in last hour when I was talking to Father Robert Nixon, it just so happened that, you know, we've been going through um his the, well, it's not Father Robert's book. It's uh, St. Albert the Great's book, The Paradise of the Soul. I can never – people watching the video stream, I can never get this to, like, work with the lighting in here because it's, like, white and shiny. The Paradise of the Soul by uh, St. Albert the Great. And so he has um, – in each chapter reflects on a certain virtue and how you can cultivate it in your life, how you can recognize true and false versions of this uh, virtue, and it just so happened that as we've been going chapter by chapter, today we were reflecting on the virtue of mercy. And I thought of St. Josephine and how fitting it is that we would talk about the virtue of mercy when it comes to, to her story particularly. She who forgave. Yeah. All of that. I mean, like we I sit and think about the grudges that I hold against people for the most minor of offenses against my person. And 
St. Josephine Bakita was enslaved at what, age nine? Yeah. yeah. Kidnapped by slave traders at age, age nine. Yeah. Lived uh, let in me actually, slavery. Can I read you a summary of her life? Yeah. And then please. I'll tell you what it's from. So she was born around 1860. I'm reading from a, a text about her. She It says she was born around 1869. She herself did not know the precise date. Didn't even know her own birthday. Mm-hmm. In Darfur in Sudan, at the age of nine, she was kidnapped by slave traders, beaten till she bled, sold five times in the slave markets of Sudan. Eventually, she found herself working as a slave for the mother and the wife of a general, and there she was flogged every day till she bled. As a result of this, she bore 144 scars on her body throughout her life. Finally, in 1882, she was bought by an Italian merchant who returned to Italy here after the terrifying masters who had owned her up to that point. St. Josephine Bakita came to know a totally different kind of master, which she was now learning, the living God, the God of Jesus Christ. Up to that time, she had known only masters who despised and maltreated her, or at best considered her a useful slave. But now she had hope, no longer simply the modest hope of finding masters who would be less cruel, but the great hope, quote, I am definitively loved, and whatever happens to me, I am awaited by this love, and so my life is good. Wow. And that, of course, Anna Mitchell, as you probably have already surmised, is uh, a big chunk of the text of the encyclical letter Space Salvi written by Pope Benedict mm-hmm. XVI, in which he uses St. Josephine Bakita as kind of the prime example of what it means to be saved in hope. Wow. So, it's, you want a good read, go read Space Salvi. Yeah, really. Um, you look at some of the things that she recounts from her own life, and I I won't read them out loud um, because it's just that painful to even think of. And yet to hear that kind of reflection on her life, that she understood who the true master was, you know, how often we, we learn about virtue through its absence you know, we talk about that a lot in, in mm-hmm. reading about literature and in, in reading literature. Um, and yet we can see it in real life, too. Um, she learned about virtue by experiencing the, the complete ab- opposite, opposite, the total absence of virtue. And yeah. yeah, today is the World Day Against Human Trafficking. You know, one other thing that I was thinking about uh, this week, Matt, as we approach today was our March for Life show. Hmm. And um, we had one of the speakers from the March for Life. One of the main speakers. Who was human trafficked in the United States from age two. Under a whole bunch of people's noses. You would think in, in the United States, somebody like that would be able to just like escape. In 30 different states. And here we are, I mean, in this this fight for a culture of life and um, how it was a pregnancy that exposed the abuse that she was in, allowed her to escape, that child of hers saved her life. Yeah. And we, you're talking about uh, Jean Marie Davis. Jean Marie I'm Davis. Sure people, yeah. Uh, remember because she runs uh, the Branches Pregnancy Resource Center in Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That stuff is still happening today. So, you know, when I prayed the prayer at the beginning of the hour, which is a prayer to St. Josephine Bakita against slavery in our day and against human trafficking, this stuff is intended to happen invisibly. Yeah. Right? People are and... locked in these situations, and they need hope, and they need freedom, and they need our vigilance. And it happens in our states. In our cities. Today. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well. We're back after this. St. Josephine Bakita, pray, pray for, for us. us. It's 14 till. Support is from MediShare. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into. And that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month. And that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo with the McGrath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame, host of the Church Life Today podcast. We've been reflecting on questions in his book, A God Who Questions. Good morning, Dr. DeLorenzo. Good morning, Annie. It is good to have you back. And the question that we are pondering today is in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. It says, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brethren? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brethren, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, this question, who is my mother? That question got you thinking about another question in Scripture, didn't it? Tell us about that. Well, it got me thinking a little bit about uh, in the prophet Isaiah, where the Lord speaks to his prophet and says, you know, I, the Lord, will never forget you. I claim you as my firstborn. He says, can a mother ever forget her child? Even so, I will not forget you. And so I started to think about, you know, could a mother forget her child? And I suppose we could all imagine they could. But I I reflected on my own wife and having seen her with our six children and always aware from the time that they were within her to the time that she was nursing them and caring for them how aware she was of them. And I sort of forced myself to imagine, well, I suppose, you know, 
as she's occupied with many other things, even while caring for them. Maybe if I push my imagination, I could imagine her uh, forgetting them momentarily. Let's put it yeah. that way. Which it's brought us back to that question. Do, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which brought it back to that question of the Lord, even if a, or his statement, even if a mother might forget her child, I shall not forget you. And so it brought me to really focus on what's going on here in terms of this unbroken, undivided attentiveness that is perhaps being spoken of here by the Lord regarding his kin, those who do the will of the Father. Mm. So this is not a barb against the Blessed Mother. Well, it seems that way almost, doesn't it? Then, like, it seems like she's being, uh, I don't know, dismissed, kind of put to the side. Um, the, you know, Jesus is surrounded by a crowd. They, uh, his kin, his mother, it says his mother and his brethren come to him. And somebody tells him this because he's surrounded by the crowd. And he says, well, who is my mother? My mother and my brethren are those who do the will of God. And it seems like, therefore, he's saying, well, the one who is out there coming to me is not my mother. My mother is defined by those who do my father's will. So it seems like a barb, but we have to ponder this a little bit further. In fact, we should be irked by that because that leads us to uh, question a little bit further and to become more inquisitive. Like, could it possibly be the case that Jesus is in some way dismissing his mother? Now, I've uh, thought about this even more fully in regards to Luke's gospel. So we're reading from mm -hmm. Matthew here, but in yeah. Luke's gospel, the precise way in which Jesus says this is he says, you know, my mother and my brethren are those who hear the word of God and act on it. Mm -hmm. That in Luke's gospel is the definition of a disciple. It comes up a few times, those who hear the word of God and act on it. And what I think that invites us to do is to stick, to hold to Mary and to see, is she the one who hears the word of God and acts on it? Does she meet the criteria Jesus sets out here for who his mother and his brethren are, his true disciples? And if we ponder, especially the portrait that we get in Luke's gospel, we come to see that not only does Mary fit the criteria, she is the very model, the very mold of the one who hears the word of God and acts on it right from the beginning in the Annunciation narrative, and then going all throughout the Gospels unto the end in John's Gospel, where she's the one who clings to Jesus at the cross, continuing to heed and receive him and to act and sacrifice for him. And then in that moment, Jesus says to John, behold your mother. I mean, Jesus shares his mother with us, she becomes our mother at the foot of the cross. But at the same time, I mean, we in our baptism, we are baptized into Christ. Mm. We put on Christ. And so she's still the mother of the body of Christ. Quite right. And I love how you bring that up with John there, that he receives Mary as his mother. But John has also allowed himself to be drawn into the place where he can be united with Christ the Son. He has mm -hmm. clung, John, the beloved disciple in John's gospel, has clung to Christ in his suffering and is coming to share in that suffering. He has allowed himself to be enfolded, you might say, into the will of the Father and to stay within that will. And because he has allowed himself to be drawn into Jesus's place, to be close to Jesus, he receives Jesus's mother as his own. Now, we might hear that and think, well, that's an achievement. That's something we get to once we get it right. Once we get discipleship right, then we get Mary as our mother. But as you're pointing out rightly, in baptism, we don't achieve anything. Yeah. It's given to us. We're 
united to Christ in his death and in his resurrection by our immersion in the baptismal water. And right then and right there, we receive, as John, the beloved disciple, received, we receive Mary, the church, as our mother to nurture us, to strengthen us, to guide us, and to lead us, and to always be attentive to our needs in obedience to the Father's will. And you brought up something in the book here that opened my eyes, no pun intended, um, <laughs> actually pun absolutely intended, uh, talking about the road to Emmaus. So mm. tell us about this, how Jesus makes his disciples like his mother. So here we're jumping back into Luke's gospel. And remember there in Luke's gospel, what Jesus says is, uh, my disciples, my mother and my brethren are those who hear the word of God and act on it. At the beginning of Luke's gospel, we get the portrait of a disciple before we ever get the de definition of one. And the portrait is painted as Mary. At the end of that gospel, then, as you're, as you're pointing us to on those two wannabes on their road to Emmaus, mm -hmm. they're doing everything wrong. So they're chatty. Uh, they fill the space with their own talking. They're neglectful of the scriptures. It's not just that they don't know the scriptures well or they've forgotten it. They have a completely reconfigured or misconfigured uh, memory of the scriptures. They are avoiding suffering. They see they're expecting a Messiah who would be a conqueror. Um, and they are sad, downtrodden. So these four marks, what Jesus does after he allows them to kind of discharge all of their thoughts and feelings is he first silences them. He puts them in the position where all they can do is listen. Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he reconfigures their imaginations according to all of the scriptures, so they take on a scriptural memory. He then schools him in his suffering. Did it, is it not the case that the Messiah must enter into his suffering so as to enter into glory? And lastly, he fills them with his body and his blood. He takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them. And at that, mm -hmm. received, they receive Jesus into themselves, and they're filled with joy. Now, those four marks are precisely the four marks that are there right from the beginning of the gospel. They are the marks of Mary's discipleship, hearing the word of God, her pondering and her biblical memory, and then acting on it, her will to join him in suffering and to go in haste with joy to proclaim his good news and serve the Father's will. So those two wannabes on the way to Emmaus become transformed into disciples by Jesus's actions and words, and they come to resemble Mary, who was the disciple from the beginning. And that's extended to all of us. We have that same opportunity. It is. It's a, it's a pattern of formation. This is how we're formed into disciples. And it was first done on Easter morning there, or Easter afternoon, as it were, I guess, by those two disciples on their way to Emmaus. But the, the, the model of discipleship is always first given to us in the Blessed Mother. Well, thank you, Dr. Leonard De Lorenzo. That'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.